All right, so we, um, we talked last week uh, about how, we talked last couple of weeks actually, about how John is writing this epistle uh, to a people uh, for the purpose of giving them assurance. Um, he's writing uh, this uh, to show them what does it look like, what does it mean, how can you have, um, how can you have an unshakable faith, right? How can you have uh, confidence in the authenticity of your relationship with Jesus? How can you find rest despite uh, the attacks of, uh, uh, of the enemy? Um, how can you be assured um, that Jesus is for you, that he is on, his, on your side, and that he uh, is in relationship with you? And so last week we talked about uh, how uh, through this epistle of John, uh, there's a series of diagnostics, there's a series of tests that will help a Christian uh, know that they are in a true, genuine relationship uh, with, uh, with Jesus. And last week we talked about the first of those diagnostic tests uh, was that genuine Christians walk in the light while religious pretenders uh, stumble around in darkness. Um, that the, the, the more real and the more honest uh, the, the believer is with themselves and with one another. That is what it looks like um, to walk around and to, to walk in the light, to bring our sin, our guilt, our shame, um, all of who we are, and bringing it into the light of God. And the more uh, we do that, the more uh, we bring our darkness into the light, uh, the more we actually change. Uh, the more that, that Christ's work of transformation uh, happens in our lives. Most of us um, think that in order to move into the light, uh, or what our, our tendency, I should say, is in order for me to first move into the light, I must first clean myself up. I must first earn my way in. And so the idea of being real and honest and open about our sins, not just to God, but to one another, uh, to, to, to bring my, 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 darkest, uh, my, my darkest thoughts and to bring my deepest brokenness to a community of, uh, uh, of, of Christians, um, that's a really scary proposition. That's a really scary uh, thought. And so it's our tendency, typically, uh, to say, well, I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going con- to get control uh, of my uh, lust problem, or I'm going to get control uh, of, uh, of um, whatever the particular brokenness is. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to really focus in and, and white-knuckle it so that I'm a little bit better. So at least, you know, whenever I confess it, it's now something that's in the past. Um, and John says... Um, John says that the opposite, that to pretend that you don't have sin um, is to call God a liar. Um, Jesus' uh, purpose uh, in his coming is to bring his light into dark places, and he does so as those dark places are exposed, as we bring those dark places uh, into community. The gospel is not clean yourself up, and so that you may walk into the light, so that you can go and enter into the light. The gospel is approach the light by, uh, by being real about who you are and who God is and asking God to change you. The more you come into the light, the more beautiful the light becomes.
those who live in the light, um, those whose lives are characterized um, characterized by living in the light, um, receive and experience uh, more and more transformation. The more we walk in the light, that is, the more we confess, the more the Lord of the light, that is Jesus, transforms us into obedient children. And so, in other words, we'll sum it up again. Um, the, the vehicle of becoming more and more sinless is the present confessing of our sinfulness. The more we're honest about our disobedience, the more obedient he makes us. So that was the first diagnostic. Um, I'll, I'll preach that sermon already once, one and a half times now. So um, we'll we'll move on to the second diagnostics, which we which we find uh, in today's passage, and uh, and it's simply this um, that the the light of Christ shines in the believer as he lives his life for the flourishing of his friends. Um, so. Let's look right off the bat in verse 3. We know that we have come to know him. So John's saying we know that we have a relationship with God if we keep his commands. So now which commands is he talking about? Let's, let's, let's define that first. That's the first uh, objective for us. Uh, when he's saying all commands, we know that we have a relationship when we keep all of his commands. Well, obviously, we just talked about if we say that we do not have sin, that we're a liar. So John knows. John, it's, 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 it's obvious, right, that, that John's not saying that we have to obey all of God's commands in order to have a relationship with him. Um, so what is he talking about here? Um, and, and there's a couple of places I want to take you to, to, to um, help kind of shape what I think John's trying to show us. So um, if you look in chapter 3 uh, of the same epistle, later on in this epistle, he tells us in verse 23, um, he says, And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. So that's my first kind of um, piece of evidence to, to say that when, when John says uh, in, in verse 3 here, we know that, we've come, that we know that we have a relationship with him when we keep his commands, he specifically, he might be broadly talking about uh, obeying his commands, but he's saying specifically talking about loving one another. Um, that the next uh, piece of evidence um, comes in this, this exchange in verse 7 and 8. So um, look, in seven, look at uh, verse 7, chapter 2. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command. This is, for the most part, John is a great, great writer. I love his writing style. It's very poetic. Um, he does something that's kind of poetic here, uh, and it gets kind of confusing. So let, let me read it again. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. So I'm not writing you an old command. It's an old command, but wait, it's a new command. So like, which one is it? Um, and it's, so it's a little bit confusing. Um, I, I think what can help us um, 
understand John's thought here is if we uh, take it in relation to what John writes in his gospel in chapter 13, uh, verses uh, 34 and 35. This is Jesus talking, and Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is the new command that I think John is talking about. Now, take it a step further, and, and I'll tell you why I think John's saying that this is an old command. So if you look over in 2 John, and this is really complex on there. Let's look over in 2 John. So this is the second epistle that John's writing. He's writing to an, uh, to an elderly lady um, that, uh, that he has been discipling, um, that is kind of his spiritual child. Um, and uh, so 2 John um, verse 5, I believe it is. Yep. Um, he says, And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. One of the really interesting things about how, God, how John presents the gospel, <coughs> remember, all of these epistles are to people that are John's spiritual children, people who have been in the faith for some time, people that John has, um, ha- has preached the gospel to at one point in time, and they've walked in the gospel for a period of time. Um, and one of the interesting ways that John presents the gospel is that he, this idea of loving one another is tied to the core of John's gospel definition. To, to, the, the gospel is not for John, just that Jesus died so that you wouldn't feel guilty or so that you could get out of hell. But Jesus died not only to save you from your sins, but to transform you into men and to women, into men and women uh, who love like Jesus loves. All right. So the de- So let's let's go a little bit further in defining love. So the the the, the sermon today has three points. I felt like uh, alliteration this week, so um, you're welcome for that. Uh, We're going to look at the definition of love. Um, We're going to look at the dilemma of love. And then we're going to look at the dawning of love, just because that's exciting to me. Um, All right, so let's define what we mean uh, by love. So a lot of this you probably already heard, uh, but I think it's worthy to say it again. Um, when John talks about love, he does not talking about acceptance without condition or acceptance without challenge. Our culture says that if we disagree with someone, that if we challenge them in, in their activity, if we confront them, that that's not being loving. We'll dive into that a little bit more. Um, John also doesn't, by, by love, does not mean um, embracing someone for whom uh, I, don't know what, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Um, John, is, John is also not saying uh, that love is um, embracing someone without any desire for them to change kind of accepting them, warts and all, not wanting, not caring, uh, not uh, hoping or praying that they might grow uh, over time. And obviously, by love, John is uh, is not uh, thinking of what we often think of in our culture, uh, this emotion. 
this spark, uh, this kind of uh, um, chemistry uh, between uh, two individuals. Um, so what John is thinking about uh, whenever he says, whenever he's talking about love is defined, I think, in verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him, that is in Jesus, must live as Jesus did. Um, so for our purposes today, um, love is defined as living our lives or even giving our lives for the good of our friends. Um, in John, John's Gospel, um, chapter 15, he, uh, Jesus says, This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus loved us in this. He lived his life, and he gave his life for the good and for the flourishing of his friends. Love, for John, is costly. It's not an emotional disposition. It's not uh, an embracing or an accepting, um, accepting someone. Um, it's not just accepting you for being you. Um, love is moving towards someone for their good and for their flourishing. The ultimate lover is Jesus Christ. So if that's the definition of love, let's talk about this dilemma. If that's the, that's the standard by which John is saying, um, here's how you know if you have a genuine relationship with God, is that you love one another. You love one another like Christ has loved you. Um, when we measure ourselves by that standard, that puts us in quite the dilemma, right? Um, because the, the truth is uh, we fail uh, to love our friends. We fail to love our family. Uh, we fail to love those that are most close to us uh, by, uh, by the standard. And I want to talk a little bit about how I think um, there's a lot of different avenues in which we probably fail to, to, to love one another uh, by the standard that Jesus sets for us. Um, but uh, there's a couple I want to kind of focus in on uh, that I think might be applicable, um, more applicable to us. Um, I think, uh, for the most part, we are disinclined to speak truth when that truth is uncomfortable. And sometimes, sometimes what love sounds like is saying... You hurt me. You offended me. When you, when you did this, you made me feel like not a person. You made me feel less than. Do you see how vulnerable you have to be to go to that level? Sometimes to love one another in community sounds like, you know what? I love you, but you're walking in darkness. You're going down a path 
that is ultimately, not only is it not glorifying to God, um, but you're going down a path that is destructive to yourself, to your heart, and to your friends. Listen, nothing is more loving than this. Nothing is more... This is what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't just come to save us of our sins and say, hey, you're good, man. See you later. Jesus comes and pursues us in our brokenness so that he can transform us out of darkness and move us into light. It's not good enough to just forgive forgive us. Jesus wants to forgive us. He wants to give us his righteousness and he wants to teach us to walk in his ways. To, to, to live lives uh, that are um, glorifying to God, that are healthy, um, healthy lives, uh, that expand uh, His light, that, that spread uh, His light um, on the world. On the world, some of apparently um, when John's writing this letter, some of his audience thought uh, that that there's a conflict going on in this church, um, and there's some some. Um, some, some Gnostics, and we're not going to get into all that really, but there's some, uh, there's some people uh, that are causing division uh, within the body of believers. Uh, and, and, and these people in part were saying, uh, apparently, that, um, that you didn't really uh, have to love others like Christ loved, like Christ commanded, in order to be saved. They thought that you could just love God and just, you be you, man. They thought you could just um, accept uh, God's forgiveness and then continue to live in darkness. And, and I think that that, that, general, um, that general thought kind of creeps into our hearts too, right? If we're honest, um, that we believe that I can just love God and then my life doesn't really have to change very much. That I, you know, I know um, that uh, I know God. I know that I'm in a relationship, God. But and so and so as a result, then you know, no one should really tell me how to live my life. I mean, God loves me. He forgives me. And so it's oh, it's kind of okay for me to um, to to go ahead and just continue in the sin uh, that that I've been in. Um, that was that was the message that was being actively uh, preached uh, to 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 these. Um, to these Christians that John's writing to. And John calls this hating the brothers and sisters. So look at verse 9. Uh, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make, uh, to make them stumble. Um, for John, there's no neutral ground here. Either We either love or we hate. Um, we either walk in the light or we walk in darkness. For John, let me put it this way. For John, we either give our lives like Jesus did. We live our lives sacrificially for the good of others. Or we hate our brothers. 
We hate our sisters. There's no, I give you a little bit here. I'll sacrifice here, or um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll love you on my terms. Either uh, we meet the standard that Jesus set for us in our love and in our and and, and uh, in our sacrifice to our friends, or we live in darkness. Love is not um, relevant relative to our definition. Love is defined by Jesus. Uh, and anything short uh, of, uh, of meeting Jesus' standard is walking in darkness. It's either light or darkness. It's either love or hate. And let's look at verse 11. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. The darkness, those... Uh, those who, who fail to live by the standard, uh, they are blinded by the darkness. The person living in the realm of darkness becomes more and more blind to the light. Um, darkness is this resistance of going into the light and of choosing to stay in the darkness, choosing to hide. And the longer it happens... The longer we uh, deceive not ourselves and our friends, the less inclined we are to ever move uh, into the place of light. See, now, this is a really big dilemma for us because uh, for our culture, for our world right now, um, living in darkness is actually pitched as more and more of an attractive thing. To live in the light is to live for others and to submit to that moral standard that you did not create. But our culture says, the world says, you know, we have to look, we have to look out for number one. Number one's number one. Culture says um, that we need to decide on our own terms how we spend our time and how that time will personally fulfill us. And if we don't do that, if, 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 we, don't, um, if we don't live for ourselves uh, and, and use our resources for ourselves, then really we're just fake, foolish, and inauthentic. A culture um, teaches us to evaluate our relationships by the extent that the other person meets our needs or makes us happy. So the question that we might, uh, the, that there may be a moral standard uh, by which we submit our lives to, a standard that requires us to sacrifice our happiness for the good of someone else, that is culturally anathema. Our world, our experience, tells us that if we want to be happy, Everyone around us must accept us for just who we are without any uh, expectation or without any desire to see us change. So if, um, if your girlfriend isn't meeting your needs, it's time to move on. If, you're, uh, if you no longer have a spark with your husband, 
the best thing would do be would just be to divorce him and to move on to someone in which you do have a spark. After all, we're called to do whatever we are, whatever we need to do to make ourselves happy. Um, but let me tell you something. The, the definition that, that, that the Bible, the definition that John gives us of love um, is, uh, is so much more rewarding. Listen, the most loving thing that my wife can do for me is to hate the selfishness that's inside of me. To pray um, that I would live a life more sacrificial, not just to her, but to my friends and to my children. And the most damning thing we can do to those that we say that we love is to support them as they walk further and further down the path of darkness. To love them and accept them and not challenge them as they walk towards more and more spiritual death. See, our culture, our world, kind of calls us to this naked acceptance um, this kind of just turn the other way support um, and, and our culture calls this enlightenment or progressiveness John calls it hate John calls it darkness verse 11 tells us um, that the person who walks in darkness um, refuses to go into the light they walk around in the darkness uh, continuously bumping into things uh, because they can't see a thing. And our world, our culture, um, continues uh, to tell us that to stumble around in that darkness is to live a life of authenticity, is to be enlightened and to be a progressive. John calls it shackles. All right, so that we define love. We've talked about the dilemma of love. Let's talk about the dawning of love. So what do we, fail, what do, we do? What do we do since we uh, fail so hard uh, to love our friends, to love our spouses, to love our children, to love our neighbors? What do we do when we realize that we're in a place that seems a little bit like darkness? Is it shocking? It's a little bit scary. What do we do in order to, to repent and to love? Um, verse 10, um, John uh, says that a call, um, a call to repentance is always the call to run back into the light. The more we do that, the more transformation can happen. The most loving thing um, is to, to live our lives and to give our lives for the flourishing in others. That is how we move in, that's how we live life in the light. 
It's the greatest gift that we can give our spouses, our friends, our, our, our children. And the only way to do that is to confess our present darkness. Um, let me read verse 10. Anyone who loves their brother or, and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them uh, to make them stumble. The most loving thing um, that I can do for my life, the most loving thing I can do for my friends, is to walk in the light. To drop the pretense. To be honest about my brokenness. And to come alongside you and encourage you to point out your when you're walking in the darkness. And to point you back towards the light. To walk in the light is, is not to live lives of perfection, but it is to humbly and honestly confess my, my present tense darkness and to point you, to point myself uh, back to the light. The more we live there, the more we change. Um, John says, Remember, uh, remember the command um, that to live like Christ and to give our lives like Christ, um, that's how we continue to make progress. Um, yes, we will fail, but when we fail to live to Jesus' standard of love, we don't just say, well, since I'll never succeed, I'll just set my own standard however I want to. No, uh, when we fail... We come back to the light and we submit, submit our failings to Jesus. Look at it this way. Um, all the way back to Genesis, uh, the first man, Adam, right, he, was, he was created and he was given a task. And what was his task? He was given the task um, that to live his life, he was given all the resources he needed to live his life for the flourishment of all things. And he was said, if you do this, if you go forth and you live your life for the flourishment and for the good and the prosperity of all creation, if you'll do that, then I'll reward you with life. And Adam failed. But then the second Adam, Jesus, he was given the task to say, not just live your life, but to give his life for the glory of God and for the flourishment and the good and the prosperity of all things. And he was promised that if he did that, not that he would be rewarded with life, but he would be crushed deep down into the earth. And where the first Adam failed, the second Adam succeeded. And he did live his life for the glory of God and the flourishment and the good and the prosperity of all things, and he was crushed into the earth. He comes and he pays uh, our price for our failure. And and look look with me at verse eight, and we'll, we'll close we'll close with this. Um, when when we continue to practice and we continue to move 
uh, into the light, move into this place of being honest and real about who we are, and move into this place of sacrificially loving uh, uh, one another, um, uh, pointing one another to Jesus and pointing one another to the light, um, we have a promise here in verse 8. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Um, Jesus has brought the realm of light into our lives. God's reign has already begun. And as we continue to do this, as we continue to practice in the light, as we continue to be honest and real about who we are, and as we continue to love sacrificially our friends and to point them uh, to Jesus, the more and more the light, which is Jesus, is pushing and chasing away the darkness in our lives. The more and more the reign of God is working its way into the crevices and the dark spots and the dark corners of our hearts. To come into the light is not to be perfect. To come into the light uh, is to receive freedom and joy because Jesus, who is the light, is chasing away our darkness. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Let's pray. Holy uh, God-loving Father, um, we uh, thank you uh, that Jesus uh, is a, the light that is shining, uh, chasing away the darkness. We pray that you would, uh, by your Spirit, continue um, to pour out your light in our lives, that you would give us uh, the boldness uh, to be honest uh, with you and with ourselves uh, where we are um, and, and who we are um, in light of our, our present-day brokenness that you would teach us um, to love one another uh, sacrificially as you have loved us. Um, we pray, Father, that you um, would um, continue to chase away uh, all darkness uh, from our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.